Okay, so Father, thank you. Thank you that... Um, Thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you that we're starting this new study. Thank you that even though we're going to take those three Tuesdays off, and that's so hard for me personally to do, Lord. Thank you that you will undertake. You will um, bring everyone back on the 16th of July. You will uh, make sure that we, um, we remember that we want to do this and that we want to go deeper with you into your word. And we want to understand, Lord, how we get to know you. And... Um, and I do too, Lord. I want to know how to get to know you better. So uh, I pray that this course, this short four-week course on prayer, will be a channel through which I understand how to get closer to you. Because, Lord, I find that that's all I want to do. I just want to get closer to you. So I pray for everyone who's here and those who will come tonight. I pray that you would undertake for us to draw us in, draw us in, Lord. Teach us things. Help us to learn the... Um, just learn the basics of how to live in relationship with you and what you have provided for us to enable us to do it. And um, yeah, and I pray that you will be pleased with our conversation, with what we talk about, with how we interact with each other, and that you will um, yeah, open up your heart to us, Lord, because that's what we want. And I pray for that, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so prayer, prayer, such a simple thing, but so <coughs> difficult, actually, for us, really. Um, to, uh, a s what is prayer, you know? Talking to God. Yeah, talking to God, yeah, that's the, the simple, basic answer, it's talking to God. What else is prayer? Hearing from God, it's also hearing from God. And what else? When you pray, what happens? Hmm? Focusing ourselves. Yeah, on focusing on God, on God, remembering that you're in a relationship and actually talking to that person. Yeah, what raising else? Yeah, raising of your heart and mind to God. Yeah, what happens when you pray? Encouraged. Yeah, <coughs> but where do you go to when you pray? I don't mean like you go to the kitchen or your living room. Or where where do you go to spiritually when you pray? Yeah, you go to the presence of God. So where is God? Everywhere. He's everywhere. But when you're praying, what what are you coming to when you pray? Yeah, He is within us. It's not far to go. But spiritually speaking, where do you go to when you pray? You go to the throne room of grace. That's what um, Hebrews tells us. Come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. So when we pray, we come to the very throne of God and we're in his presence. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think like that when I pray. Do you think that? I don't think that. Do you? Oh, Jenny, so super spiritual. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Yes, yes. To God, yeah, okay. Well, that's... And that's what I think we have to do. We have to. Yeah, you get distracted. Yeah, exactly. So, how we pray, what we pray, what does it actually mean to pray? That's what we're going to try and look at this four weeks. Um, and uh, and the result of it, I hope, will be that we are encouraged and strengthened in our walk with the Lord. That's what I want. I want to be encouraged and strengthened in my walk with the Lord. Um, because what will happen when I'm encouraged and strengthened in my personal walk with the Lord, what happens? Yeah, I build up my faith. 
other people benefit. Other people benefit. Because when God strengthens me and encourages me, what, what does he actually do? What's the way he does that? I think that's Rosie's phone. Yeah, he builds your faith, definitely. But Yeah, maybe, maybe. You're more aware, certainly, of the Holy Spirit working through you. When you're encouraged and strengthened, what's the ultimate result? God is glorified. God is glorified. And you come into that place of which the Westminster Catechism, which I often quote, and I'm not sure I've ever read fully, says... um, the chief end of man, the purpose of man, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So I want to be, uh, A, glorifying God, but also coming into that place where I am enjoying him forever. And I think prayer is the channel into that place where we really do enjoy God. Um, You know, it's like a, a person, isn't it? You enjoy fellowship with someone. When you sit with them, you talk with them, you share with them, you, you drink coffee with them, or whatever it is you do, you're enjoying fellowship, and that's what God wants for us, to enjoy him. So um, I thought, actually, that um, we would start in Habakkuk, which is probably a bit of a sp- surprise, but on the homework that was online, I said, if you could read through Habakkuk, I asked a few questions, but basically it was to read through Habakkuk a few times and to think about... Um, you know, what that short three-chapter book is about. And um, because actually the book of Habakkuk is a prayer. It's a prayer. It is a prophecy, um, of course, but prophecy is just what God told his people would happen. So God told Habakkuk what would happen during Habakkuk's conversation with him. Um, so, um, could somebody read the first, um, the first four verses, please, of chapter one? The oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence, but you do not say. Why do you make me see? iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness. Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore justice comes out perverted. Thank you. Okay, so what's Habakkuk is crying out to God, which we call prayer. He's crying out to God about something. What's he crying out to him about? Yeah, the evil and the wickedness around him. And why is he crying out to God about it? Yeah, because he doesn't think God's at work. Maybe God doesn't even know about it. But also why? I mean, what's behind his prayer? Yeah, he wants help, but... Actually, he has yeah wants God to do something. But why? What's behind even that? He wants to. What's his understanding? Habakkuk's understanding. That God is in control. Yeah. And and that violence and wickedness are wrong. They should not exist on this planet. 
And so he's crying, everything I see is not just, it's wicked and evil. And so he's, even in his cry, I mean, why would you pray? Why would he cry out to God about something if he didn't think it was a problem and shouldn't be the way it is? Do you see what I mean? He's coming to God because he thinks that the violence and the injustice and the evil is a problem. And that violence and injustice is only a problem to people who know God. There is no problem with violence or wickedness or evil if you don't believe in God. Yes. So um, I'm, I'm, it's good that we, we have to set this up because later, uh, maybe not this week, but you know, we're going to be thinking about the questions that people ask us about suffering and uh, why, there's, why there's this war, why that's happening, why there's this abuse, why there's that. And they're coming from people who don't believe that God exists. So actually, why is there a problem? Because it should just be a fact of life. Yeah. Don't, you, don't you think that people are noticing now? People are, I hear on the radio, people are, are noticing, they're crying out about it. Yeah, so, but that's what I'm saying. But why are they? Who are they crying out to exactly. if they don't believe that God exists? Yeah. And so as soon as the cry comes, you know that God has been at work in that person or to that person or through that person to come into a place where they're even questioning why is this happening? If you ask why uh, and you, you can't find a human answer, you know, that it just happens to be abounding all over the world, this wickedness and suffering and evil, then what you're doing is acknowledging, even if it's not conscious, that there is something other than you. And so um, Habakkuk is crying out about poverty, about oppression, about wickedness, about all the stuff he sees around him because he knows that God exists. And because he knows that God, if he exists, can't be a God of evil and wickedness and injustice and poverty and oppression and abuse. Um, so his question is, why do you allow this to continue? Why are you allowing this to continue? If you are an all-powerful, holy, loving God, if you are just, if you are faithful, if you are all that you say that you are, why is this world like this? And actually, um, it's that question that Habakkuk can't find an answer to. And that's the question we can't find an answer to. Yeah, but yes, but that's simple when you're not in that place. Yes. It's simple. But when you're surrounded by evil and wickedness, when it is affecting you personally, as it was Habakkuk, <coughs> that's too simple an answer. And so he's crying out to God because he cannot understand why this world and why his nation, the people of God, are like this. Because when he looks out, he's looking at his own people. He's looking at his own people. And um, if you read at the end of the book, the last couple of verses at the end of the book, so if somebody could go there and read chapter 3, verse um, 17 to 19, um, you see that in the middle of this book, somewhere in, in, through the, his prayer, he has found the answer to his prayer. He has heard the answer. So could somebody read the last three verses, please? Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, 
Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hind's feet and makes me walk on my high places. Thank you. So if this whole book is a prayer, a conversation with God, then what has happened through this conversation? Yeah, a bit like Job. He's more able to trust God with what's happened. Yeah, so what's happened in his prayer, that's definitely true, and he's actually able to rejoice in God and exalt him. So what's happened in his prayer? His faith is increased. His faith has increased. By the Spirit. He's had a conversation, and God has answered his prayer. He's answered his prayer. Because Habakkuk is not going to be able to say, I exalt in God at the end of Habakkuk, if God hasn't given him an answer to his questions. Even though he may not have detailed the answer, and we're going to see as we just read through it, even though it may not have been a specific answer, the answer has been good enough to move Habakkuk from crying out, why are you letting this happen to nevertheless I will praise you? Mm. Though, though this continues, though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet I will exult in the Lord my God. And so he's had answers. And when you look at the New Testament, Jesus says, when you pray, God hears and he answers. So... I just want to know, you know, how to have the sort of conversation with God that can take me from where Habakkuk was in the beginning to where he got to in the end. I want to know how to come to God in the way and how to hear him give me those answers for my own individual crying out to God, for my own individual questions. And right in the middle of the book, in chapter 2, you get the God's initial, well, his, his kind of, pathway into the answer. So chapter 2, verse 4, this is God speaking. Um, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. So when, when I was thinking about a title for this course, that's how I came up with prayer through the door of faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who believes that he... But everyone who comes to God must believe that he exists, that's Habakkuk, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So Habakkuk was someone who knew that God would answer his prayer, would reward him. So that's the first point for me. Do I really believe that God will answer my prayer? Do I really believe that when I come into the throne room of God and when I cry out to him about the things that are oppressing me, weighing me down, very difficult in my life, do I really believe? I'm not saying do I, do I say to other people that I believe. I'm not even saying, I'm saying do I really in my heart of hearts believe that God will answer my prayer? Um, because the questions that Habakkuk's asking God, they're our questions. Yeah. They may not be exactly said in the same way, 
And they may not be about the same things, but they're our questions. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yes, I, I, I'm not, because I read it when I was reading it. I thought, this is just what's happening today. Yeah. And when he talked about the Chaldeans, I yeah. thought, oh, it's like Muslims, <laughs> all these Muslims coming, you know... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, sort of challenging our faith yeah. we need to stand yeah. up yeah. 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 I think there's all sorts of answers but I wanted to get a, actually a little bit more personal about it than is it this world because this world is evil and wicked And but I think Habakkuk is talking about the trouble within his own people and the trouble within his own heart and he doesn't know how to deal with his own life experience, let alone the experience that is happening. I think it encompasses all of it, and God uses it to bring a prophecy to Israel. So, you know, I'm sure he would use that in our lives too, but uh, because this is prayer for us, you know, I want to know. Um, so, in answer to, to Habakkuk's question, what's happening, why are you allowing this, what is God's answer, just overall answer, if you had to take it from chapter 2, verse 4? What is his answer? I mean, he's going to give Habakkuk more detail, and I'm not saying that this is on- the only thing he says, but what is his overarching ar- ar- answer to Habakkuk? Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. That's his answer. When you come to God in prayer, his answer is, trust me. With everything you come to, come with, trust me, trust me. Um, This verse, you know, is quoted three times in the New Testament. It's quoted in different places. And and, and different words in the sentence are highlighted in different books of the New Testament. So the righteous is highlighted, shall live, live is highlighted, and by faith is highlighted. But here in Habakkuk, it's the whole thing. And... uh, What we're told is here that faith is the channel of prayer. That um, and that prayer is the channel for our faith. See what I mean? So faith, you have to be a person of faith to come to God, and then because you have come to God in prayer, prayer is the mechanism by which God will come to you. So you know, is some simple questions really for ourselves. Am I a person of faith? Do I believe in in Jesus Christ? Do I believe in the triune God? Do I believe that God will answer my prayer? Do I believe that he is who he says he is? That's the first thing. Because in order to be in order to be called righteous, I have had to believe that already. So all my questions to God have to come on the basis of he's called me righteous. And the only people he calls righteous are people who trust in him. So it's like it's it's almost a circle. It's like you can't be righteous unless you trust in Jesus and you can't be righteous and and if you want to pray. And you can't pray unless you trust in Jesus and God calls you righteous because it's only the prayers of the righteous that God will individually give answers to. The, the prayers of the unrighteous are only answered in Scripture, but by giving, you know, by people coming to faith. If 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 an unrighteous person, if a person who doesn't believe in Jesus cries out to God, "Why are these things happening? Why is my life like this?" God's answer will be, "What? You need Jesus." 
there will be no individual answers to the person who doesn't believe in Jesus because God can't speak to the person who doesn't believe in Jesus because there's no channel through which to speak. So it's not that God doesn't hear their prayer. It's not that he doesn't love them. It's just the answer is Jesus. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's the unbeliever. Yeah. It's the people who haven't haven't believed that that. Um, so, um, so uh, our prayer is the co- is the channel is our conversation with God is the channel through which God works in our life and answers our prayers. Go ahead, Alan. Can a third party influence? God. Well, I was thinking, I told a story once that I, I was in the room where a young Muslim boy came in to be him and they laid hands on him and he was healed. Mm. Mm. So, he didn't know anything about, well, he knew a limited amount about Jesus. Oh yeah, God can heal who he wants to when he wants to, of course. Uh, I'm not saying that God doesn't hear prayers and he doesn't, it, it doesn't answer prayers. But what I'm saying is his answer for, uh, for the things that are difficult for us and may not have a specific answer are only found in Jesus. You know, that boy might have been healed, but what happened to him after? Go ahead, Sue. I, I, I really believe that our prayers for those who don't get know God Of course they do, of course. Of course, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, unless you know the Lord, his, his only answer to you ever will be Jesus. Mm. Yeah, I definitely, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. The thing is, prayer, if prayer is the channel through which God works, it, it doesn't actually, I mean, of course it matters that we pray for other people, but if God has decided to work through our prayers then why are we not praying unceasingly? Not just for other people or ourselves, but for the world, for the church, for the ev- everything you can even think of. If, if prayer is that channel, why do we not pray all the time? And the thing is, because really, at the base of us, we don't believe that prayer is the channel through which God works. Because if you believed, you'd be praying all the time, or at least con- as far as consciously you were able. Yeah. Is that can we, we sort of almost give God the answers to our prayers yeah. when it doesn't happen our way? Yeah. That sort of you get into that cycle of well, mm. I think this is best. It's not happened, so. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that's probably one reason. Definitely. Yeah. You know, we have to live our lives as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the apostles went out and did the work. Yes, but at the time they did, they did for a time before they left Jerusalem. They did sit down and. Oh yeah, of course yeah. they prayed. Yeah. But surely God makes. He allows that that we can't do that because we do have. No, but that's because you're talking about prayer as something you have to sit down and quietly do, and yeah. God doesn't talk about prayer that way. God talks about unending conversation. 
That's what I want to get to. I, I'm not talking about sitting down and praying in the morning. Of course, that's all good. And yeah, go ahead, Sue. Of course, I'm not. I, I I don't know if you're hearing me wrong. I'm not saying that's not right. That's true. But that's where exactly, and that's what I want to say. Prayer is not going in. It, it's not only going into your room and sitting down and praying. Prayer is an. If we are told pray unceasingly, there must be something more to prayer than we understand. And so that's where I want to get to. I want to get to how can I be instructed to pray unceasingly? And yet still go about my daily life and still do the things that, I, that God wants me to do. I mean, how can I be praying unceasingly now while I'm teaching? Yeah. No, I know, but you're trying to ask the question and yes. answer it at the same time. And I can't, we can't do that because we've got to take longer because we want to make sure we understand what we're saying. Um, of course, prayer is, 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 is complex. There are all different types of prayer and we pray for all different types of people. But that's not the purpose of this. This is the purpose of me understanding how God works through my prayers, how I can be encouraged and strengthened through my prayers, and how I can come to that place that I truly know that I am in constant communion with God. Mm-hmm. You do Go ahead. know that, don't you? If you've got some sort of uh, crisis going on in the family or something, even though you're going about your daily chores and, do, you know, interacting with people and doing all sorts of things. Every now and then you'll think about it and think, oh, please let it be Yeah, yeah. And, and that... But that's not... It, that is a form of prayer. Of course, it's all prayer. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. it sort of... It shows you what you should be all the time, really. Yeah. I mean, but I, you, you know, the thing is... Sorry, Alan, I will, you, I will remember you so you don't have to hold your hand up. Um, the thing is... You know, what we want to do is is come away from our own experiences and our own thinking and our own ideas about what prayer is and when we pray and all of that because that's none of it's wrong. It's all good. But what the study is about is trying to come to the place where we go deeper in this than what we already know. And because you're all, you've been Christians a while, you pray, of course. I'm not trying to stand here and say you don't know how to pray, but what I want to know is how do I pray the way God wants me to pray and how can I open the channel of my faith and my prayers so that he can work more effectively through me. I don't think I'll necessarily be conscious of him doing that, but I will be aware of how to be in this constant communion with God because that cannot be a mind thing. It can't be. It has to be a state of being that is existing without me always being aware of it. And that's what I want to get to. How can I get to that place where my whole state of being is a place in constant fellowship and communion with God through his spirit, even though I am not always mentally aware of it? Go ahead, Alan. Mm -hmm. Coming down from Menzies, this course on my mind all the way down. So that's another form of prayer. Surely. Yeah, I, I, I feel like you're all thinking that I'm saying all your praying is wrong and, and whatever you thought about. I'm not. I agree with everything that's been said. Of course, God works through our prayers for unbelievers. 
of course, thankfully he does. That's the way he does work towards unbelievers, through us. So we have to pray for unbelievers. We have to lay hands on them if they need healing. We have to do all of those things. He speaks to us through choruses. He speaks to us in the morning through the dawn chorus when the birds sing. He speaks to us when we get on a mountaintop and see the beauty of this world. God's speaking all the time. But I'm not listening all the time. And so I want to understand, okay, Lord, if you say you work through prayer, I want to be constantly praying. And I can't be constantly praying mentally because my, I can't do it because I can only do a few things at once. So I, I want to get into that place where I know that I know that I know that I am in constant communion with God even when I'm not speaking and even when I'm actually not specifically thinking about what I want to pray for. Do you see what I mean? I'm not sure what you're asking me. You mean, is it through? Of course, it's through your. It's through the. That's what I said. It's it's that that you would know in the centre of your being, which you could say heart or will or whatever or kidneys, whatever. In the centre of your being, you would know that you are in constant communion with God. And I actually am not sure we can ever get to that place, into whilst we are on this planet. But I want to try. I want to be closer to God and if he says prayer is the channel through which we commune it's the way that we I talk to you you talk to me it's the way we get to know each other if he says that well I want I I want to pray unceasingly I've tried to do that sometimes I forget sometimes I take over but again that's that's the sort of you do it, and what yeah. I think, what I so get, what I'm saying. Yes. In fact, I was having this conversation, a sort of conversation like this with God, as I walked down here, because a thought, something flashed across my mind, and I thought that is not the sort of thought I want to be thinking. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, Lord, please, would you help me to somehow change that? Because that sort of yeah. nasty critical thought often flashes across my mind and immediately I recognise it as such and say, no, I don't want that sort of thought. And I really felt, I was sort of praying what you're saying. I just wanted to get to the point where I never think those thoughts because yes. your, your spirit is totally mm. taking up mm. my... Mm. I you don't get that thing where your automatic reaction, like in the car, is... Yes. <laughs> yes. Or, or whatever. I know exactly what you're saying. You don't want that. You want to be and also because, yeah, there must yeah. be something about the work of the Holy Spirit within us, if we are in constant communion, even though we're not mentally always aware of it, then surely he is being able to uh, project Jesus through us even when we're not totally aware of it. And, yeah. and that's witnessing to unbelievers all around us. So it's not then just what I think to pray about unbelievers. And I mean, I'm always praying for unbelievers. Nearly everybody I know in my family and friend life is apart from you you know people here are, are there unbelievers i'm always praying for unbelievers but i want to come into that place where even when i'm not f- literally thinking about them and praying about them that the, the lord is so working in me that 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 channel is open and that he is able to work because my whole life is a prayer um in psalm 42 sorry alan hold on a sec uh geez, uh the psalmist says I think it's verse 8, um, Psalm 42. Um, 
the Lord, yeah, verse 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. So it's like, it's that place I want to get to. I, I, I want to be there. And, and this is not... This is not about us feeling guilty because we're not praying all the time. This is totally, this is no guilt at all. This is no shame, uh, uh, nothing. This is not because we have really wrong thoughts all the time. or it's, it's simply that I think, I feel God is calling me into a deeper prayer life with him. And I think that's because he needs people or he wants people. He wants to do a great work through people who will pray, and um, yeah. So, um, what were you going to say, Alan? I don't know. I hear conflicting accounts of Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> you know, I hear that he kicked people and on the stage, and he. Uh, so I find that hard. I must say, um, I don't know, Alan. I don't know. I can't imagine God wanting us to kick people. I just can't imagine it. And so I think his belief might have been that God wanted him to kick people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that God wanted him to kick people. He said that he, he wasn't kicking the person. I don't suppose the person felt that. I should think the person, you know. What were you going to say, Julie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. And some people are further on in the, on the road, definitely, because some people have already uh, devoted themselves more to prayer. So, of course, we know people. We all know people who pray a lot more than we do. And so, uh, and but I suppose what I'm thinking of and why I think God has brought it now is that we are a word-based ministry and we talk about all the time about God speaking through the word and he does but he he works through our prayers and that word unceasingly always pops up at me I think yeah exactly exactly towards that is good and, yeah and we do have to understand that we can't box prayer up no we just can't. no that's it yeah Exactly. Yeah, it is. So that's where we are. That's why I want to look at it. Um, 
Uh, Habakkuk's writing at a time really national crisis is going on in Israel. He knows that the Chaldeans, the <coughs> Babylonians, are just about to um, invade. So he knows that there is international crisis, there's war on the horizon for his people. But it's not only that that's caused him to pray. He knows that there's national <coughs> corruption, which means there's corruption within the people of Israel. So for me, this book is fantastic because it talks about the world... If we move it to our time, it talks about the world and it talks about the church. It's a picture of the church in the world. And what we're shown in this book is that the world's in a mess. It's, it's on the brink of all sorts of things and there's evil and wickedness. But also the church is in a mess because, you know, that's who Habakkuk is mostly uh, crying out to God for. Everywhere he looks, he sees the people of God not living for God. And so his answer is a prayer. And so for me, I think about us with the church and all the things we talk about the church and all the false teaching and all the deception and all the way we are so much above all of that because we know the word and all of that. But Habakkuk's answer was to pray. It was to cry out to God and to find out where God's heart was about it all. You know, what was God thinking about the corruption of, the, of his people? How was he going to deal with it? And what was God thinking about the world and how he would deal with the world? And, and that's where we need to come to, isn't it? We need to come to that place so that not only can we recognize deception and uh, evil and wickedness inside the church, but that we know what to do with it. We know how to handle it because otherwise it would do you in. Exactly. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we only get there through this channel of God, of, of communing with God and receiving from him. And, and Habakkuk received from God. I mean, he, he heard from God. He cried out to God and then God answered him. Yeah, I do, but I don't know where you're going with that. What, 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 what does that mean in terms of prayer? Well, we, we pray anyway. But we don't. We pray because we, well, I, I pray because I love God and I want to build my relationship with him. Yeah. Because it means, for me, it means more to me than anything. Yeah. Yeah, so what I want to do is take, because that's wonderful, of course, that's wonderful, but I want to get us to a place where we can know that even when we're not speaking, we are in communion with God, and that we are understanding not so much that we want to build our faith, not so much that we want to be in this, uh, we want to, it's all about us in terms of our faith and, and building it up, but that I want to hear what God wants to do through me. What is the channel or how will he work through my prayers? So I want to stop praying prayers that God has already answered and start praying prayers that are actually what he wants me to talk to him about. And I can't do that if I'm not, if I don't understand how this prayer is this channel through which he'll work. We were talking at breakfast um, about, uh, about uh, uh, praying for healing. 
And of course, we're told to pray for healing, so we pray for healing. And God heals, he does, but he doesn't heal everybody. So I want to stop thinking, why, why have you not healed that person? I want to not be in the place of, why have you not healed that person? I don't want to be in the place of praying, never stopping praying for healing. I want to get to a place in my conversation with God where he can say to me, he can change my prayers so that they align with his purpose. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's what I mean. I want to get to that place where I'm listening to him rather than telling him what, even though I know he is a healing God. I don't always agree with that, Sue, I have to say. Sorry. I just... No, no, don't say sorry. It's just a different opinion. I, I, you know, and probably we'd find we had a lot of common ground, but there's just two bits at the end where we're um, slightly... Um, but we're saying the same thing. We want to hear from God, and we want to know how God wants us to pray, and that's, that's what this is about. So Habakkuk's writing at this time. The world's in crisis. His people are in crisis. And his question really is... Um, why are the people of God living as if they're not the people of God? Why are they living like the world? And, um, and, and why, that's our question often, why are Christians not living like Christians? Why, why are they not doing it? Yeah. And surely it's so obvious. And so there's an answer that's coming back from God through Habakkuk that I want to hear. I want to hear what's going on. And also, why is he letting all this evil and wickedness? Why does he let abuse go on? Why does he? Why doesn't he put his hand into those situations and change them? Especially when that abuse involves children. Why does he let that go on? I want, and I want to cry out to God, how can you let that go on? You know, um, and I also want to know his answer. I want to hear what is your answer. So, um, when I can't make any sense of anything in my own family or in the world around me or in the church, I want to know how to come to God and how to pray. And so that's why I want to link this Habakkuk uh, prayer with Luke 18. Because... um, In Habakkuk, he moves from this place of despair in the beginning to this wonderful praising God at the end because he's heard from God. And then Jesus, to me, picks that up almost, that idea of being moved from one place to another place in all his parables about prayer. And Luke 18 is a really... Do you mean the end? No, I mean 18. Yeah. Oh, because we have to align Habakkuk with 11, do no, with 18. Oh, we had 11 down. Oh, it should have been 18. Oh, that's what we couldn't work it out. Oh. Shame on Rosie. <laughs> no, it wasn't Rosie, that's me. That was mine. It was Luke 18. I'm so sorry. Ah. <laughs> so you all thought, oh, that's what I'm so sorry. That's my fault. It's a typo. 
We're hoping, hoping uh, that someone has stepped forward to be the coordinator for Desiring Truth. It's like so necessary. And um, she's just deciding whether she's going to do it. And um, yes, exactly. So all pray up a storm today that this person will say yes, because I mean, we are desperately in need. Yeah. <laughs> we need a proofreader for our thoughts. <laughs> Because they're just all over the place. Anyway, Luke 18. So it'll be a nice new thing then, so you can go to it. Luke 18. So could somebody read verse 1 to 8, please? And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night, while he delay long over them? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on earth? Thank you. Okay, now this is a really un- strange parable, actually. And, um, and I've heard it preached a lot of times about persevering in prayer. And just keep going, keep going, keep going. But I actually think Jesus is saying the opposite of that. And so I, I just want to break it up a little bit, and you can throw your whatever you think in. Um, what... Basically, the, the parable is about who? It's about a widow coming before a judge. Okay, so what, were the, what was the courtroom setting in, the, in Jesus' day? Do you know? No, the setting of the court. I mean, we will get to that, but the setting of the courtroom. You, you didn't come to a fight like the magistrate's court in Sarancester. No. You didn't come to a building. You came to a tent, or even just the top of a tent, in, in the middle of a field or a wilderness or wherever it was. And the judge sat there uh, on a sort of specially carried seat by his helpers, and he was like king. He was the king. He was the judge who came, and he had a circuit. So he went to various towns and heard the disputes. And the only people co- who could bring their dispute to the judge were people who he allowed in or his assistants allowed in. So what do you think was rife in that day? Bribery, bribery and corruption. So if you could bribe the, the, the judge's assistants to get in, you would be able to get in. It still didn't mean that you would have any justice, but you would get in to see the judge. So this is the place that Jesus is kind of describing, this type of courtroom. And so he says that the widow has come and she's going around the outside. And what's she doing as she goes around the outside? Because she obviously can't get her case heard. So what's she doing? She's making a fuss around the outside because she can't get in to where the king is, the judge is. She can't 
get in. And she can't set the agenda. She can't do anything because widows were poor. She's specifically called a widow. She's not called the, the, the mother of a person. She's, she's a widow. She's got no husband and presumably no son to help her to bribe the officials to get her case heard by the judge. So, um, she, And then, as Chris says, she's a woman. She's a woman who have no legal standing in that day. So what do you think Jesus wants you to understand just about... He, he says this is about prayer, prayer. What do you think he wants you to understand about prayer just from that point? Yeah, he's going to make contrasts. He's going to contrast the widow with us. He's going to contrast the judge with God or him. And he's going to contrast all of these things so that we understand that what that widow had to do is the opposite of what we have to do. So she had to go round and round and round, shouting, making a nuisance of herself, but we don't have to do that. The difference between she was a, 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 a widow without a husband and we have a husband. Exactly. We are not um, unable to get into the place where we need to be heard by the king or the judge. Yeah. Uh, now, will God not bring? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No. So, can you see? This is God. Jesus is not saying you need to persevere because God will take His time. He's saying God is going to answer you quickly. So, but let's go through the contrast so that we really see. Because the first verse, now He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. So what does, what's the contrast that he makes there then? <coughs> to lose heart and to constantly do it. So that's the contrast. What's one's the contrast? No, what, what's the, what, what is the, yes, yeah, sort of, but uh, not take the word persisting out because that, 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 that's not in this. He says we should pray at all times. If you could say that another way, what would you say? Pray unceasingly. You know, I think everything in the New Testament letters is found in the Gospels. It's something that Jesus said. So Paul has ripped out, pray at all times, and he's put it in as prayer unceasingly. I don't mean he's ripped it out, God's done it, but do you know what I mean? It's been written another way. Pray unceasingly, pray at all times. And what's the alternative to praying at all times? You will lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? You'll get disappointed, discouraged desperate, depressed, all the D words. You will come into a place of complete discouragement if you don't pray at all times. Go ahead, Maureen. Um, but the reason that we can pray at all times is because of Jesus being within us through the Spirit. Because Jesus always prayed at all times. Yeah. And his Father was always in that close communion with his Father. Of course. So because we have the Spirit within us, that's why, although... We haven't attained it yet. <laughs> There's no reason why we can't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I want to take this bit by bit and see, okay, how does Jesus put that over to the disciples? Because, and how is it that we've misunderstood it so badly? 
you know, how is it that we've taken this to say you've got to keep persevering and keep coming to God and, and you know, no matter how long it takes, keep coming? Why is it that that's taught from this parable? Because that's not what's said. Mm. That's taught so much. Yes. I know in our personal Yes, and they take it from here. That's where they take it from. But it, I mean, I don't understand. All that you're doing is revealing a lot more to me, but just that little, that one thing, I realise, you know, one prayer, if Lord wants to heal Edward, yeah. I think it's instinctive. If the more important a thing is, the more times we're going to say it to the Lord. Of course, it's just instinctive. That's what we're going to do. So if you've got a child who's not saved or like you with Ed and, and he's still suffering, of course you're going to pray. I mean, you're just going to keep praying. But it's not the persistence or the perseverance yeah. that will change God's heart. This is what I want to get to. Yeah, that's the opposite side of the coin, isn't it? Yeah. He's not being healed because you're not praying enough and you're not praying Exactly. In your exactly. Yes. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're not making a nuisance of yourself. Yeah. So pray at all times. Pray unceasingly. Otherwise, you will get discouraged. Now, just think about your own life just for a minute. Take everything else away. Take all your things away. What Jesus is saying is, if you don't pray unceasingly, you will live very often with discouragement, despondency, and despair. You will lose heart, or lose courage, or lose the ability to stand, or lose, lose the strength to stand. Now think, just think about the church. Think about the church. Think about Christians in the church. Think about your own life. Think about when you get despondent and desperate and, and weak and, you know, unable to, you know, when you just think, what's it all about? Why am I even bothering? You know, why is that happening? Because you're not praying at all times. Because it's, Jesus says, either this happens or this happens. Pray at all times or you'll lose heart. Yeah, but yeah, that that will definitely be true because the word is the way God speaks to you. So it's the conversation again. So yeah, if you're not listening to him, then of course. But so praying contrasted with losing heart and and fainting and getting discouraged. Pray at all times. Why will I pray at all times? Why will I pray unceasingly? What has to be true of me to make me pray unceasingly? Yeah. Yeah, that's the right track, so yeah. yeah. What, exactly? Um, is it not because, uh, uh, right from the very beginning, it said, this prayer is made through the door of faith, and it's his faithfulness. So what you're doing is just trusting in his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So as you do that, you actually live in obedience. And you, you yeah, but I want to come away from obedience, because I just want to talk about conversation. Why will I pray at all times? It's a conversation. Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying that's not true. It's true. Yes, relationship. Yeah, but why will I pray all the, all the time? Yes, that's true. We're glorifying God. Because you love him. Because I know he's right here. Why will I talk to him all the time? Because he, I know he's right here. Do you walk along the street with anybody and not say a word if they're walking with you? Have you ever walked along a street? Have you ever sat 
for hours and hours and days on end and not talk to the person who's right next to you? Really, have you? No, why not? Because you talk to the people who are right next to you, especially if you love them. Why, why, why would you not talk? So if you believe that Jesus is right here, which Maureen brought up and Rosemary says, Jesus is within us by his spirit. That means he goes where I go. He sees what I see. He hears what I hear. He's there all the time. Why am I not talking to him? But that's it, that's wonderful and good, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the only reason you will pray all the time is because you know that Christ is here all the time. And it will be like he's right next to me. So I'm walking along the street. I haven't got a problem. Let's say I've got a good day, no problem, right? And I'm walking along the street. If I'm walking along the street with my best friend, with my husband, with my whatever he is to you, if I'm walking along the street with him, I'm going to say, oh, what, what do you think about that? Look, that's, look how beautiful that is. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and look at that person. They seem really down and out or really poor or really depressed. And, 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 and what do you think about so-and-so? What do you think about so-and-so, Lord? I mean, you know, I've, we've been talking to her and, and praying with her and I can't really see much response and I, I don't quite know. What, what, what do you think? What, what, what should I do? And then, boop, and then oh, okay, and then what about those kids? Look at those poor kids. They've got no shoes on their feet. And it's this constant conversation. Well, do you do that? I don't do that. It's sometimes not constantly sometimes but that's what he's talking about he's talking about praying unceasingly pray at all times because what that will do is as you pray at all times you're reminding yourself that jesus is there all the time that he's part of what you're doing and seeing and hearing and that he's the only one who can do anything about anything so she, she lived on her own, uh, she was quite elderly, and she would buy a dress and she'd put it on and wear it for the Lord all day and just, you know, just yeah, to, there to you go. the Lord in any There you go, and, yeah, know, there you go. And it's that idea, it. it's a reminder to her that he's with her all the time and that yeah. he can see her new dress and, yes. yeah, exactly. I don't know how we do it, everybody I guess does it, you know, new dress or whatever, but mm. it's the... It's bringing ourselves into the awareness that Christ is with us all the time. Mm. Mm. The word that's just come to my mind um, would be contentment, um, because you can't pray when you're asleep. But if you go to sleep content- in that contentment that God is who he is, then you're still in that attitude even when you're asleep. Mm. So there's not only a belief in all of these things, but a contentment in yourself mm. that you mm. But I think I want to move from the belief that it is, to the knowledge that it is, because I'm in constant conversation with God. Do you see what I mean? I don't think I can get there in this world totally, 24 hours a day, but I want to be living with the knowledge that Christ is right here with me. So when I switch on the television, he's watching what I'm watching. When I have a conversation with someone, he's hearing what I'm saying. When I'm walking down the street on my own, he's seeing what I'm seeing. I want to be in that place so that I know that he's there, so that every moment I start to talk to him. 
And then what will happen if that's true? If, if I can ever get to that place, what will happen? What will my... Yeah, he'll talk to me too, of course, because he... He'll show, yeah, he'll, he'll un, unravel the world for me and my life and everything else. But what else? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I will be... Exactly, it affects everything, yeah. What I do, what I say, how I say it, all of those things. But also, it will remind me that I'm walking with the God who can change things. Because I'm talking to the one who created the world. And, and he's answering me. And he's not always answering me with direct words, of course. And, the, and I'm not saying that you're going to walk along hearing a voice and look like a mad thing as you're going along the street. But you are going to start to hear from God about the people around you and, and about the conversations and about the things they're saying. You know, I sat down at lunch with uh, the people in, this, the, in, in the retreat. Obviously, we sat together at all the meals. And this woman... You know, every time she said, can I ask you a question, I shuddered because it was always some really difficult question. <laughs> and what she said to me on the last Sunday was, so what about assisted suicide then? And she had all these examples of people who uh, hadn't been able to uh, end their life, but it would have been so much better had they been able to. And so we, she wants to have this conversation, you know, and it, it meant something to her because she's got someone in her family who this is about. And as we talked around the table, you know, suddenly, because I, I was thinking, Lord, what on earth am I going to say? <laughs> you know, because this is a complex issue. It's not simple. So I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to say to this? And suddenly I realized, and I said to her, but the problem with our conversation is that we're all looking at this world. We need to look at God. And when we lift our eyes to God, he will tell us the answer. I don't always know what that answer will be, but he will tell us the answer. And it will suddenly be not my answer of my way that's best, but his answer and what his answer is best. And so that's what I'm saying about walking with Jesus and knowing he's there and, and training ourselves to understand he's there all the time, that, that what will, he will do is to raise us up to be with him rather than us bringing him down to be with us. Do you see what I mean? So, yeah, so you do know what I mean, but um, yeah, I want to remember that he's conscious, he's constantly with me all the time. I mean, I know he is by his spirit, I know, but I want to really know. Yeah, go ahead, Maureen. Well, it's um, so probably we're getting to that place where Jesus said, The Father and I are one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think I've got that scripture later. Yeah, he's exactly that place. No, don't be sorry. It's exactly that place. That's what he said. And you know it was true. And so he's brought us into fellowship with God the Father and God the Son through the God, you know, with himself and his Father through the Spirit. So that's what he wants for us, that we only do what we see him doing and only say what we hear him saying. That's what I want for myself. And we're going to take a break and have coffee. Okay, Father, thank you. That we can trust that you will. That you will. You do have the perfect place for us. And actually, whenever it comes, it's okay, Lord. Doesn't matter. When it comes, it comes. And uh, we will just continue. We will occupy this place until you come, Lord. And that's that's what we want to do. And so I pray. I put that whole thing before you, Lord. I thank you that you are so clear on where we should go and what we should do. And I thank you, Father, for the word that you speak to us. And 
and how, how you enable us to not go the wrong way. It's just wonderful, Lord. And so I pray again that you would keep everyone here, well, keep me, that's, this is always my prayer, keep me on a very, very short reign so that I cannot go too far away from you. That's what I want, Lord. And help me and help us as we start to get more and more into this study on prayer to understand what you want us to know and how much you are willing to work through us if we would only open up that channel of conversation and prayer. So thank you, Lord, because it's going to be wonderful. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Who was that? Right. Yeah. So, okay, so we've talked about the, um, the fact that... Uh, what, what did we talk about? Oh, yeah, pray and don't faint. <laughs> that contrast... Pray and don't faint. And the fact that God is always with me, and, and the more I remember to pray, and the more I remember that he's with me, I will be constantly in communion with him. And when you consciously remember that, that He, you are communicating with him through the Spirit, um, what does prayer become? I mean, the Spirit is with you. You're communicating with him. I think, is everybody leaving? Because we're just... Yeah. Um, when you are communicating with him on that sort of basis, when you are trying to remember that he's always with you at every time, even if that's not a conscious thought, what starts to happen about your uh, communication with him? It just becomes natural. Yeah, it becomes natural. Yeah, um, but let's think, we're, what we're trying to remember is that we're communicating through the Spirit all the time with God. We're trying to focus, bring our mind into that understanding that he's with us all the time. He sees what I see, all of those things. And so we're wanting him to start to uh, make us aware that we are going to start be doing the things we see him doing and the things we hear him saying, just as um, uh, Maureen, I think, pointed it out. But what does prayer become then? Because it's not the, not the words that you say now, because you're not necessarily speaking words. What does it become when that's happening in you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it becomes the desire of your heart. So this communion with God becomes the, the, probably the single biggest desire of your heart. More than anything else, you want to be... You, you want to find yourself in constant communication and communion with God. And it becomes that desire. Now, what do you know about the desires of your heart to know God? God will always fulfill that desire. He will always fulfill that desire. So he will bring us to the point where we think, yeah, I want to be like this. Jesus says, pray at all times or, or you faint. I don't want to be fainting. I don't want to lose heart and get depressed and all of that I want to be praying at all times so how can I do that and how will I understand how to do that and then Jesus says well I'm with you always so practice that that, you, that that Jesus is with me always by his spirit and then what I'll find is even when I'm not talking even when I'm not consciously listening the desire of my heart is to always be with him Sort of, exactly. Your desire is now for constant communication with a holy God. And he fulfills that desire. The fellowship of the burning heart. Yeah, the fellowship of the burning heart. 
And, and that's where we're all hoping to get to, isn't it? Because when we're in that fellowship, when we're in that communion, when, th- when being in communion with him is the desire of my heart, knowing that he fulfills that desire, then that has outworking in every area of my life and ultimately will affect everyone around me. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, pray at all times or lose heart? The choices, which do we want? Second, the widow contrasted with God's children. This is what Jesus is doing. He's contrasting the poor widow with God's children. He didn't say that we're like this woman. He said we're not like this woman. So if you have this thought that you are like the poor widow with nothing to recommend you and no way to get in to see the judge, you have to completely change that perspective because Jesus says the opposite is true about you. So... Um, what does he say that she got because of her continuing persistence? The attention of the Yeah, she got justice because of her uh, persistence. She was a poor widow, but because she kept going on, she got um, justice. So imagine now the contrast. You are a child of God, Right? What is true about you that wasn't true about the judge and the woman? Yeah, we don't have to go through any, any intermediaries. We don't have to bribe the assistants. No. But secondly, or as well, he, loves us. he cares about us. So we're children. We're not like this judge and the widow. The judge didn't care about that woman at all. But God cares about us. So that's what Jesus is trying to get this over to us, that you, you're not like this. You're not a stranger. The woman was a stranger to, God, to the judge. But as children of God, we're not strangers. He loves us. He knows us. He cares about us. He wants us to experience joy. He wants us to go on in our relationship with him. It pleases him to bless us. So we're not like this woman. We're the opposite. What was true about this woman? She didn't have open access to God. Uh, to, to the judge. She couldn't get in to see the judge. What's true about you? You have open access at all times into the throne room of God. You, you have the opportunity all the time to hear from God and talk to him. He's with you by his spirit. There is no barrier between you and God anymore. The veil is torn. You are into the Holy of Holies and you can present every request at the throne room of God. She can come boldly, Hebrews 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can come boldly, she can't. What about, um, did she have any friends at the court? No. She didn't have any friends. She had to keep making a noise for herself because she didn't have anyone <coughs> to stand up for her. What do we have? Jesus. We have an advocate with the Father. That's what Hebrews tells us. We have an advocate standing, interceding for us all the time with the Father. And that's exactly the picture. She had no lawyer, no advocate for her. So she couldn't get in. She had no one to help her. So she, was, she had to resort to this wailing and making a noise about and making a nuisance of herself. We have an advocate who, who, who knows just what we need, even before we know it. A D V O C A D V O C. Otherwise, it's avocado. <laughs> we have an avocado with the Lord with God. Yeah, A D V O C A T E. 
And the thing is, we don't just have Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us as if that weren't enough. We have the Holy Spirit who's praying with groans too deep to utter. So when we don't even have the words, when we don't even know what, what we need to pray for, the Holy Spirit is praying for us to God the Father. She had nothing that she could lay claim to with that judge. She had no, no wealth, no assets, no, no promises, nothing that she could take there and say, you owe me this because of this. She had nothing. What do we have? Yeah, but specifically, what do we have? Specific. Beyond that, yeah, that, that's true. We do because we said we have access. We're not a stranger. We're a child of God. We've, we've said that. We have promises in the Word of God that are ours. Specific promises. I will cause all things to work together for your good. There is nothing impossible for God. I will present you holy and blameless before him. I will provide everything you need. My God will provide all your needs in Christ Jesus. Every promise of God is yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Every promise of God is yours in Christ. There is no promise in scripture that doesn't come to you in Christ Jesus and that you cannot lay hold of. None. So she had nothing. She couldn't say to the judge, I've got this piece of paper and this person owes me this. She had nothing with which to come before this judge. But we have every promise, every promise of God. His eyes on the sparrow, it says, doesn't it? Yeah. That's the song. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Yes. If God feeds the sparrows every day, how much more? If God gave us salvation, redemption, justice, through the death of Jesus Christ, how much more do we have through his life? It's endless. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So it's, she had nothing. We have every promise. She came to a courtroom of law. We come to... Well, no, I was going yeah. to say about the courts of law. I've just um, well, recently finished a book by Robert Henderson creating the courts of heaven. Mm. And... Um, I found it really helpful. I mean, obviously, many times in Scripture, not least in Joe, talks about the, uh, the court assembly. Mm. Mm. And um, what we have through those promises is legal rights yeah. in that court of heaven. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's it. But, but actually, when you think about it, we have those because we have all those promises and the word of God and everything else. But actually, we don't even need them. Because you don't come to a, a court of law, you come to a throne of grace. So it's not like you're coming saying, I can have this, I have a right to this. You're coming to a God who is freely giving you, though you have no right. Do you see what I mean? It's like, that's true. We do come with all the promises of God and we can lay hold of those things and that's like our kind of rights. But... but that, that's superseded by this courtroom of grace. We come to a throne of grace. We are already innocent. We are already found righteous. We are already called righteous. And so we come into this throne of grace even 
Because really, when you think about it, the more you understand about God and the more you understand about what Jesus has done, the more you know, I don't even feel I can lay hold of this stuff because I don't deserve this stuff. And the more you know about him, the more you know you don't deserve this thing. But that's why I think it's really important that we understand it honours God when you receive grace from him. It honours him when you lay hold of those things. So um, she came to this court of law, we come to a throne of grace. And then the last contrast, um, the judge contrasted with the father. Um, Unless you see that he's pointing out contrasts, you get the idea that God has to be harassed or bribed or argued into answering your prayer. You think you have to get everything right, you have to get the words right, you have to have done it at the right time, you have to be asking exactly in the right way, you have to, um, yeah, you have to somehow find the magic incantation so that you can come before God. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. That God is not like this judge. He is not like this judge. Um, Psalm 138, verse 3, do you remember that verse? Um, On the day that I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Psalm 138, verse 3. So um, he, God is attentive to every cry. He is attentive to all our needs. He is generous in his gifts. And he is uh, always ready to answer when we call. Do you remember in Daniel, when uh, Daniel's been pay- praying for three weeks, and then the angel comes to him? And what he says is, on the, on the day that you began to pray, the, mess, the answer was sent, the message was sent, but I was withstood by the prince of Persia and my wife. So God answers prayer immediately with his uh, people, with his children. He does not want us to be wondering whether we can receive the blessing of God. He wants us to know the blessing of God. Every day. The only reason the uh, judge helped this widow was what? Why did the judge help this widow? Because she kept on at him. Um, and, and it says actually, otherwise by continually coming, she will wear me out. Actually, the original translation is, I will get a black eye. She will give me a black eye. And what that means is, she'll ruin my reputation. If she keeps coming... She's going to ruin my reputation because what's going to happen is people will know I am a judge who does not judge righteously and justly. Now contrast that with God. Contrast it. Think about what Jesus is trying to say. If you keep coming with the same prayer over and over and over and over and over again, what are you actually saying to God? You didn't answer me. You don't want to answer me. And if if we are all praying together for the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again, you're telling me that God is a God who doesn't answer prayer. You're telling me that God is a God who doesn't want to give me what I need. And that is the reverse of who God is. It's the opposite. Sometimes I run out of things to pray for, probably because I'm not thinking enough about it. And that's why I go over the same thing. Maybe. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, why does God answer prayer 
I mean, if you just take this, this parable, why does God answer our prayers? Just think about the contrast. Why would God answer our prayer? Yeah, so all of that to say, for his glory. He answers prayer for his glory. The, the judge answered prayer because he was afraid he'd get a bad reputation. Well, it's, it's kind of the same, it's not the same thing, but it's like, why does God answer our prayer? Because he's glorified when he answers our prayer. And what does God want? That he's glorified. It's, so it's, it glorifies him to answer prayer. So when we pray, we should be coming to him on that basis. You know, I'm coming to you because you are the only one who can answer this prayer. And I know you will because this prayer and the answer of it will bring you glory. So, yeah. yeah. The Lord's glory. Yeah, we'll cover the whole earth. Yeah, mm. it does. Isn't it a problem? Don't we have a problem reading the word through Oh, definitely, definitely. That's why I think this parable is so often taught the wrong way, because because we come to it and because we don't know what it was like in the courtroom at that day. We're, we're taking our own thoughts and putting them in, and our own culture and our own society, and actually that's completely wrong. And that's why context is so important, you know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree, Alan, that's right. So, but there is a still an answer, because there's still a question, rather, because how do we explain delays in answering prayer if Jesus says, God answers swiftly and quickly? Yeah. Yeah, devil, maybe, maybe. But the devil can only work as much as God allows him to. That's, the ba- that's what the Bible says, that Satan must ask permission. When Peter, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, um, sa- Satan has dem- demanded permission to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. So there's got to be permission. So nothing that comes to you is coming to you from the enemy, without God's allowing it. That it, it just cannot. If you are a believer in Christ, then you are under the protection of the power of God through your faith. Now, I'm not saying that you can't open a nice little door, come on in, enemy, you know. If you're addicted to drink and you go into the pub every night, well, you're just opening the door, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? So I'm not saying we can't do that, but Satan cannot do anything that God doesn't allow him to do. That's a basic premise of Christianity. Is that it's a basic truth from Scripture. You can blame the devil all you like, but he, he only gets permission from God or you gave him permission in a specific area to come with his attacks. You didn't hold up your shield of faith. You didn't, whatever. You, you gave him permission so in answer to your question about why does God sometimes... Why are there delays, delay, yeah. He's, do we not have to trust that his timing is perfect? We do, his we do. timing is in his hands. His timing is perfect and he's not, at, he's not in time. No. He's outside of time. So actually timing is not a word. He, he created time, but he doesn't have to live in it. So yeah, there's that, but, there, but there's another... another so, so e- he's on the case. Yeah, he's on the case. 
But if God's on the case, he can do it instantly. So, so. We sometimes get in the way because we run around like a headless chicken trying to fix it ourselves. And so, you know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. If only he's not going to give you something. He won't give you, um, you know, whatever it is. If it's, you know, he won't. Uh, he won't let you fall down a manhole if it, because that's not good for you. So <laughs> definitely, that's a no. No, you can't fall down that ditch. No, but I, I, I really want because the thing is, yeah, there's free will in there. So um, we're involved in his answering prayer. That's definitely true. Daniel's prayer, yeah. you know, he was, um, the angel said he was stopped. No, that's, I just said that, yeah, he, he, the, he was withstood by the Prince yeah. of Persia, definitely. So but what is the truth of the New Testament about God? Go ahead, Linda. Pastor, we're going to say, in our prayers, we are aligning ourselves with, with yeah. the Holy Spirit, Christ within us. Yeah. And we are praying together. Yeah, exactly. No, that he doesn't want us to do, right? But the thing is, what did he say to Habakkuk? We're going to go back to Habakkuk. But just before we do, I think we have to really look at Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If that's true, every single thing in your life, God is already at work causing to work together for your good. Now, so, is to yes, but he is constantly at work causing all those things in your life to work together for good. Now, if that's true, then you should be able to go anywhere else in the scriptures and find that same thing. And in Habakkuk chapter 1, lo and behold, God says to Habakkuk in verse 5, Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder. Because I am doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. I am doing, chapter 1 verse 5, I am doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. Okay, Romans 8, 28. I am causing all things to work together for your good. And if I told you what I was doing, you would not believe it. You wouldn't believe it. That is the truth about God. He is always at work on our behalf. Always. So you're speaking out your prayer. You're trying to align yourself with the work he's already doing. He's already doing that. Because his promise to you about causing all things to work together for your good is not um, con uh, conditional on your praying. That is, he is always at work causing all things to work together for your good. And so sometimes he'll tell you what that is. And sometimes you'll be asking what that is. But even, the, even when you don't ask, he's still working. So if it's true, he's always at work. I'm at work and you wouldn't believe it even if I told you. How do you explain the delay? He's just not finished yet. Yeah, just not finished. He's just not finished yet. And he won't finish until the day you go to be with him. So all of our prayer requests have to be put into the fabric of the whole of our life. Everything that we pray and that we want and that we want to do and that has to be put into the grand tapestry of our life. 
which again is part of the grand tapestry of the church, which again is part of the grand, even grander tapestry of the work of God. So there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. There's just answers that you can't see yet. There's no such thing. Jesus has said, will not the Father answer you speedily? I mean, he's expecting a, of course, answer. So there's no question of God not answering your prayer. And even when you pray for the wrong thing, he is still causing even that wrong prayer to work together for your good. God causes all things to work together for your good. Habakkuk is being told by God that he's going to have to live through things that will seem overwhelming. As you read that book, you see he's going to have to live through really overwhelming circumstances. And sometimes we do too. Sometimes we have to live through circumstances that are simply too much for us. And they do threaten to submerge us. But what is the truth about God? Even when you don't pray about those circumstances, even when they seem too big for words, he's still in control. He's still at work on your behalf and he will never let you sink. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means you will stay afloat. And what does he tell us with that the righteous shall live by faith? I mean, if, if Habakkuk is going to see things experience things in his life that are overwhelming, what is he going to have to do to enable himself to align himself with the truth about God, that God is at work, that there will be a glorious end? What has Habakkuk got to do? He's got to trust, and as he trusts, what's, what's he got to do? Yeah, He has to look at his life through the eyes of his faith. The righteous shall live by faith. That means you have to look at every part of your life from the perspective of God and from the perspective of your faith. Now, you can't do that. Of course, we're not God, so we can't do that all the time. But we have to attempt to do that in our life. What is this? God says he's going to use this for my good. I can't imagine how this is going to be worked together for my good with everything else, but I believe he is. So even when you don't see with the eyes of your flesh the answer, you must live by faith. Trust that he is who he says he is and that he's doing. You know, Genesis 18, 14 says, nothing is too difficult for God. That's what he tells Abraham. Abraham looks at his body, 99 years old. How could I ever father a son? And God says, nothing is too difficult for me. You might be, well, you are, I know, some of us are in, well, I'm not at the moment, thankfully, but some of you are in pretty discouraging situations and they've been going on a long time and there hasn't seemed to be a light at the end of the tunnel, but there is a light there and you have to open your eyes to see it and you have to trust that every step along the way, God is, is, is yeah, and is making something glorious. Because that's what he says to Habakkuk. Look among the nations. Be astonished. Wonder. Because I'm doing something that you wouldn't believe. And it's glorious. It's something glorious. God's answer is the same in Habakkuk and in Luke. 
story is leading us to salvation. Is that what he means? What do you mean something leading to Because you're already saved, so... You mean leading to the end of your salvation? Yes, yes, the glory that will be yours when you are with him. So Habakkuk decides to live that way. How do you know that? Because at the end of his prayer, he says, though the fig tree does not blossom. So that's what he's saying. Though, though I don't see any result Though I don't see the glory, though I don't see this being worked out for my good, yet I will exult in the Lord my God. Um, and it's, I mean, it's more than that, isn't it? He says, I've lost my page here, but he's, he, he goes into that and says, um, well, in fact, if we go back, because God has told him what he's going to do, and in a way he's told us too, and uh, about what he's going to do in the world to... to address the violence and the wickedness. And, and Habakkuk hears it all and he says, I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay entered my bones and in my place I trembled because I must wait quietly for the day of distress because God had shown him the judgment of God on his people that was coming and he's shown us. But that's what he says, for the people that will to arise who will invade us, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines. And so he goes into that wonderful, yet I will exult in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. And I'm absolutely convinced that God told Habakkuk that. And that Habakkuk experienced the walking on high places. And that he was lifted up by this conversation that he had with God. Even though he heard from God some things that made his bones tremble. And, and you may have heard some things that make you tremble. That's the thing. God is saying, I'm doing something amazing in you. I'm doing something amazing in you. And you won't see it until you're with me. But I'm asking you to trust it. Your whole life is being worked out now according to the plan of God. Your whole life. Yes, you have free will. Um, yes, you have <coughs> the opportunity to get in the way of his plans and to quench the spirit and grieve the spirit and, and stop his plans for a while. But God is God and you are not. Yeah, go ahead. No, that no. Still yeah. Good, yeah. But I think for me, getting perspective is that you know, seeing answers to prayers is not necessarily now, tomorrow, yeah. next year. Yeah. It might not be till we begin yeah. that we yeah. look back and see that yeah. tapestry and see yeah. what it is. Exactly. Because yeah. otherwise, you go around, I, I would, I go around like a headless chicken saying, well, actually, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Mm. And the thing is, you're getting the answer to prayer. You're getting to the answer to the... No, but you just don't see it yet. And that's what he said to Habakkuk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's about lifting yourself to God and trying to see who he is and what he's promised rather than bringing him down and fitting him into your circumstance, which isn't changing. So, yeah, it's that. 
I don't know how it played out in Habakkuk's life. I don't know what he did and how he did it, how he got through. I don't know. I, I suspect he suffered greatly <laughs> when the Babylonians came in. Um, but what he decided to do was put his trust in God. And that is the beginning of a life of total communion in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. They never saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But sometimes we can, yeah, that's exactly it. Sometimes we can think, okay, I'm not going to see any answers. So, oh, you know, it's a bit like mind over matter then. You know, I've got to be positive, positive thinking. It's not positive thinking. How do you know it's not positive thinking and mind over matter? No, but what happens to you when you decide to live by faith, i.e. trust that though you can't see it yet, it's definitely happening. So what happens to you when you decide to live that way? You receive the blessing of God. You actually experience it. You experience peace and joy. Habakkuk can say, I I exult in the glory of God. And he makes my feet... Walk on high, you know, on high places. He experienced, he experienced peace and joy and those things. So it's not that you have to live a, a whole life in the, oh, I know it's coming, but I can't see it yet, you know. It's that God blesses you on that way with peace, with, I think, what you said earlier, Julie, not continuing to pray for the same thing and it being okay. That he, he gives you that peace and he gives you that understanding that he's at work. And oh my goodness, he's at work. He's at work. So why am I afraid? So, yeah, I think we're, that's it. Five past twelve. I'm not going to see you for three weeks, four weeks. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to put my feet up on a train. I'm just hoping there's not, not too many people on there with me. <laughs> Oh, you'll see me on Saturday. Yes, of course, Barbara. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yes, great. That's great, yeah. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for that reminder from Barbara that um, I'm not saying goodbye yet, and there's still more. Thank you for your word and for your, your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you do cause all things to work together for our good, and that though we don't understand how that's happening, and though we have to live in the here and now, and, and you're calling us to trust, nonetheless, as we do, every little step of trust, every little step of faith, you cover with blessing and and do fill us with that peace that passes all understanding and we know lord that you're with us and that you are the god of peace and so you make that real to us so i thank you lord i thank you for all that you are all the all that you are and i ask you lord to help us to really understand how we are going to live in this wonderful communion this prayer with you um in our everyday existence, Lord, trusting that you are bringing all things into line for us and that we too are being brought into line with you. And um, yeah, I just thank you, Lord, that you will do that for you are faithful to your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.